hard to beat the person that never gives up, you know. Obviously, you have to be willing to put the work in, but I think the will to be able to push yourself to overcome things is something that you can't teach. You know, you either have it or you don't, and you're either willing to sacrifice things and push yourself or you're not. I never liked working out, but until I accepted it and enjoyed it, now I feel like I need it. It makes me feel better. I'm happier when I work out. And that's something that I want to share with people and, and help them find that as well and find just their own way to be um, happier. That's Lindsay Vaughn, this week on The Ritual Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, everybody. What do you know? My name is Rich Roll. I'm your host. Welcome or welcome back to the show where I do my best to have meaningful conversations that matter with the most incredible people I can find working to make the planet a better place for all of us. And every once in a while, that means that I get the rare opportunity to sit down with somebody who is the very best in the world in what they do. And today is one of those days. Super exciting. But it's also tricky from an interview perspective because these people, their talent, their accomplishments, it can all seem very unrelatable or inaccessible to the average person. But if you can somehow get past that veneer, often you can discover the principles, the habits, the mindset, the nuggets of wisdom that contributed to their success, teachable elements we can learn from, accessible tools we can leverage to improve our own lives. And that was my goal with this conversation. I hope I achieved it. It's up to you to decide. And it's with a woman who really needs no introduction because Lindsay Vaughn truly is the world's best at what she does. She is the most decorated female skier in history and the most decorated skier period man or woman in US history. One of the few world-class four-event ski racers, Lindsay is a four-time Olympian. She is a three-time Olympic medalist, the only American woman to win downhill gold, and the only American woman with four World Cup titles. She has 82 World Cup wins total in her career, the most of any female skier in history. And now in her very last season, she's attempting to eclipse Ingemar Stenmark's record of 86 World Cup wins. But here's the thing. There is so much more to Lindsay's story than meets the eye. And I want to address that in a bit before we get into the conversation. But first. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that Most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible. They're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. 
Momentus products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built-to-move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go. And it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia. And he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but 
Basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. All right, Lindsay Vaughn. So look, her victories, her accomplishments, all of that is very self-evident. But, you know, the thing I think a lot of people may not realize about Lindsay, what, what isn't properly appreciated are the many obstacles that she has faced, the countless injuries she suffered, the depression that she's weathered. Lindsay's trajectory has hardly been linear or charmed. She has fought incredibly hard, tooth and nail, for every single one of her accomplishments with incredible tenacity, failing and falling often, but always, always picking herself back up. And I derive great inspiration from that. So this is about where that drive comes from. What what is that about? What can we learn from her experience about work ethic and process and focus and determination and fearlessness? Final note, this episode, as are almost all of my episodes these days, is viewable on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash richroll. And again, the podcast is also now available on Spotify. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the great Lindsay Vaughn. You ready to rock? I am ready. Thank you so much for coming out here. I'm delighted to meet you. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. Welcome Happy to, to uh, our little slice of heaven out here. This is the uh, the this is the veil of Los Angeles. <laughs> if that's a thing, can that be a thing? It can be a thing. Yeah. We'll make it a thing. Cool. And we have a special guest here with Lucy, right? This is Lucy. She broke her arm, Aww. hit by a car. So, well, her cast is very cute. Thanks. How Lucy did she get hit cute. by a car? <clears throat> yeah, she was chasing after an animal and Aww. chased right after the wheel of the car. Poor girl. Yeah. Well, as I said, all dogs welcome here. Thank you. So um, cool. Well, uh, I think the best way to kind of um, dig into this is uh, I'm interested in what you're doing right now. Like you, you have a house in Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So do you, you spend some of your time living out here? Yeah, I spend part time here and part time in Colorado and. Really, most of my time on the road uh-huh. <laughs> um, for racing, but uh, I love it. You know, it's it's difficult. I've always been chasing winter, so it's nice to have a place that's warm that I can mm-hmm. come back to. And my dogs love it here. So cool. Yeah. So typically, you would be going to South America during the warmer months here, right? So you're yeah. just chasing snow year round. Yep. So I went to Chile a few weeks ago, um, and normally we go to New Zealand, but I didn't go this year. Um, and yeah, we're just constantly chasing, chasing the snow and, um, you know, usually October is when we go to Europe and then November we're starting training again in Colorado. So it's kind of nonstop. Yeah. We just have a few months off in the summer where we're working out in the gym. What are you training for right now? Um, I mean, this is going to be my last season on the world cup. Um, is that official? Uh, I've kind of said it a couple of times, but no one really seems to believe me. So uh-huh. I'm just going to repeat myself that I'm retiring. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so so I'm just, I'm really going to look to enjoy this last season and, mm-hmm. um, 
I, I'm hoping to break the World Cup win record, which is 86 and I right. have 82. You have 82 so. right now, right. Yeah, so that's my big goal. There's also World Championships in Sweden in February. Um, but I really just want to enjoy this last season and and have fun with it. And, you know, if I break it, great. If not, you know, I've had a great career and I'm just ready to do something different. Well, that's a healthy perspective. Yeah, I mean, it didn't start off that way, right. but it has now gotten to the healthy part. Well, healthy it's point. gotta be interesting how it's all evolved for you because as a young person, you can just train and nap and life is very contained and, and simple. And you live a very large life right now. You've got a ton of competing interests and all different kinds of things that you could be doing. I would imagine you have to say no to a lot of stuff and fun opportunities. Uh, but based on like looking at your Instagram, which is a terrible barometer. That's not real life. That's not real life. Oh, training really hard and then like having fun and then like lots of dog stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, know? yes. Yeah. I mean, most of my life right now still revolves around, you know, preparing for the ski season mm -hmm. and being in the gym. And I've tried to, you know, have more fun with it and do interesting things, do like contests and bunch of balance stuff, make it more fun. Um, but yeah, there are definitely a lot of opportunities that are coming my way and it's hard to kind of decide what to do. And, you know, it's definitely a pivot point in my life and yeah. transition period. And um, I can't say that I know exactly, you know, the main focus of what I'll be doing next, but um, I have a lot of really interesting and cool opportunities. So um, I'm excited about the future. Uh, it's really weird to still think about life without ski racing. Yeah. But, you know, I know physically I just can't do it anymore. And the grind mentally of grinding physically mm -hmm. <laughs> takes its toll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that rumor circling around that The Rock is gonna show you around Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, your fellow Under Under Armour athlete yeah. teammate. Well, he's has that um, happened yet? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely kind of leaned on him as a kind of a mentor, and um, his road to success is pretty incredible. I mean, he's the world's greatest mentor. Yeah, if you could have him as a mentor, I, I mean, mean, we would all be so lucky, yeah, right? Right. So I, I'm just like, what you know? Anytime I have a question, I just ask him, and and you know, I I. I uh, went on set with him on Ballers and I, mm. in between takes, I was just, you know, hammering him with questions. And um, and then he'd go and do his line, you know, super easy, then take a break and I'd, you know, continue yeah. hammering him. But I think that, you know, it's definitely something that I would be interested in doing. I'm not sure if I'd be great at it, but uh -huh. he seems to think that I will be. So, because, you know, I, we have the same mentality of just hard work mm -hmm. and, um I think that, you know, if I have that opportunity, I'd work really hard to be good at it, so. Well, you're both grinders, yeah, that's for sure. Definitely, you know? definitely grinders. And uh, I don't know where that guy's uh, source of energy comes from, I don't know but either. it seems I, to be limitless. That's what I said, I'm like, uh, I need at least like eight or nine hours of sleep. You know, I don't know how you survive on this grind that you have going. And he's like, no, I get, you know, six or seven hours, I'm like, you wake up at 3 a.m. Right. every it's day. So, I don't know without what math you're doing, like but. Crazy <gasps> inspirational that he'll like fly all the way to Europe from LA and then arrive at like three in the morning and immediately go work out. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, crazy. it's cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, but 
before that, you're still training right now. Yep. And you're trying to balance all of that with all the fancy stuff that you get to do. What does that training look like? And how do you, uh, you know, maintain that level of intensity and focus? Like, I know you're a grinder. It's like your disposition. It's probably not hard for you. But at the same time, it is different than when you were 18, 19 years old. Yeah, it's a lot different. I mean, just based on my injuries, it makes things uh, so much harder. You know, my my workouts are all kind of modified to just do what I can do, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't jump. I can't run. I, you know, I... You can't I, jump? No. You can't run? Come on. I, I was I was able to jump until recently, and now it's just... I'm, I'm bone on bone wow. in my knee, so I just... It's... It's it's had enough. I yeah. need to stop doing that. Well, and running, injuries, I've never been good at running. So like, let's let's be honest. But I'm you're on the bike a lot, right? That. You're on the bike all the yeah, time. Yeah, every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you ride outdoors too, or just all? I do when I'm home in Colorado. Yeah. I can't say that Los Angeles is the best place for road biking. If you come up here, it's pretty good. <sighs> but it's hot. <laughs> it's not that hot. It's like 125 degrees. <laughs> no, not right now. Well, it's October okay. and it's yeah. it's almost ski season. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's I, I love I love biking outside, you know, in the mountains. It's it's pretty incredible mm-hmm. in Colorado, but um it can get really monotonous, you know. Um and then, you know, before I ski I have to warm up my knee and work out for like forty five minutes, you know, it's mm-hmm. a it's just a process. It's not even remotely close to what I did when I was, you know, eighteen, nineteen years old. Yeah. I used to just get up and go and you get on the hill and you, you just bomb down the mountain and you know that's it. And mm-hmm. now it's like this whole long process because I'm old and <laughs> worn Listen, down. You're talking to somebody who's 52. Like I get it. <laughs> I know, but uh, you're but like, you love pain. You do like triathlons. You used to do triathlons and stuff. You're crazy. I'm a, I'm a grinder, but I'm like, you know, my level of grind isn't anything like yours. Uh, you know, and, know, and I, I think, that. and and certainly, you know, I haven't had, I haven't sustained the kind of injuries that you've had. I mean, it's, it's impossible to even keep track of all the things that you've had to weather through. Like, I, I mean, how many pins and screws do you have in your body? I mean, you got scars all over you. I mean, this is like, you know, the the laundry list of injuries that you've had would have just ended the career of most people or at least sidelined them for much longer than you. But you've, you've had this ability to always come back, always come back, always come back, like always overcome the obstacle and like continue to show up, show up, show up. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's hard to beat the person that never gives up. You know, it's just, I have a passion for what I do. And, you know, everyone has their ups and downs. Everyone has their obstacles they have to face. Maybe mine are worse than most, but not the worst that others have had. So, you know, I always try to keep things in perspective and understand that I am still really lucky to be able to do what I do. And um, I just work as hard as I can. And if I'm successful after injury, then great. If not, I'm still doing what I love. So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, there is no downside in, in trying your best. Was there ever a moment after sustaining one of these injuries where you just thought like, that's it, I'm done? Um, my arm injury was pretty bad because I couldn't use my hand. Right. That was in 16, right? Uh, yeah. 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 So you lost the feeling in your hand for quite a while. Yeah, for about two months, I I couldn't move my hand. I and I thought, you know, not only am I not skiing again, but I'm not going to be able to eat food or sign my. I couldn't sign my name. I couldn't write the alphabet. 
I could barely hold a pencil. Uh huh. So how long did it take before the feeling came back? Um, I started to be able to move my hand, like move the fingers after about a month. And then I, again, like full strength, it probably took like four or five months. Um, but it was really scary because your knee, it's, you know, it's, it's your knee. You're going to get better. You just have to be patient, do the work and it'll turn around. But mm-hmm. with my hand, you know, they they didn't, they couldn't really give me a, an estimate. They're like, we don't know. It could get better. It could not get better. You could have no function in your hand ever again. You know, and that was a pretty scary Yeah, because those nerves have to regenerate, yeah. right? And grow, and they grow very, very slowly. Very slowly, yeah. So did you continue to train throughout that? Or yeah, I had to. You like taped yeah. your hand to the ski poles, right? Well, Something I like tried, that? I was skiing in that, like uh-huh. I when my hand got cold, I lost a, a bit of feeling um, and it, I just dropped my pole a couple times. And mm-hmm. so it was, to me, it's not worth you know, losing a race because I simply dropped my pole. So I just duct taped it to my hand and yeah. moved on. <laughs> well, I think that, that um, you know, what really, I mean, certainly you're unbelievably talented and you've been at the top of your game for, for so long. Uh, but I think people who, who don't really understand or know that much about you just think, oh, well, she's the greatest skier of all time. Like she's out there, she, she just wins everything constantly. But when you really drill down into your career, it's, it's like, you know, it's like high highs and low lows consistently throughout, yeah. right? It's just, yeah. it's marked with a million setbacks, way more than, you know, somebody, you know, I followed your career and then I started to like really read more, you know, dive into the details of it. And I was like, oh my God, like you've really had to sink, you've sank low and you've constantly come back and come back and come back. So I'm interested in like the mindset required to do something like that. Cause if I had to, you know, if somebody asked me like what distinguishes Lindsey Vaughn from everybody else, I think it's what's between your ears as much as anything else. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have to be willing to put the work in, but I think the will to be able to push yourself to overcome things is is something that you can't teach. You know, you either have it or you don't, and you're either willing to sacrifice things and and push yourself or you're not. And what is it like? <laughs> you know, how do you define that? I don't know. I mean, I think there's it's you know it's an element of grit that. You know, and I've talked with several people about this. Um, I, it's hard to really say, you know, what is grit and and how do you get it? Is it a, something that you learn? Can you teach it? I don't think you can. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think I learned definitely from my grandfather and my father on, you know, what work is and, you know, you just shut up and do the job. You know, there's there's no complaining. There's, there's no reason to, you know, you could have life a lot worse than what you do. So, um, you know, you're given a task and you just have to accomplish it no matter what. So I think there's an element of that that's ingrained in me from from those two figures in my life. But um, I think it's also that I'm just passionate about ski racing. You know, I think if you're passionate about something and you're willing to, you know, push yourself that hard, you're willing to go the extra mile that maybe others wouldn't. Um, it's, and it's not just about skiing, it's really about anything. Yeah. You know, most of the people that are highly successful are not the best at what they do or the most talented at what they do, but they're willing to work harder than everybody else. Yeah. And how do you maintain that level of passion over the years and years and years? It has to like wax and wane, right? There's gotta be moments where you're like, I'm not feeling so passionate right now. 
I mean, there are definitely times when you wake up, you know, at four or five in the morning and it's, you know, it's not fun to do that. But whenever I'm on the mountain, I really enjoy it. And there's, I think it's also at this point, a way of therapy for me, you know, with everything that goes on in my life. I think that ski racing is my outlet. You know, it's the one place where, you know, I can control everything and, and, um, I have the freedom to do what I want. And, um, it's, a it's a weird image to think about life without that Mm -hmm. therapy. You know, I don't really know that's a, that's probably not a good thing, (laughs) but But you're, but you're so involved in so many other things already. Yeah. I mean, I'm not worried about that necessarily. It's just, you know, that's where I think the passion comes from is because it's that's ski racing is like my place, you know, it's, it's where I'm the happiest. And that's why it's easy for me to keep pushing to get back to it because it just makes me happy. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive And the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily personally for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. 
We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What do you think it is that that distinguishes a good ski racer from a great ski ski racer like what is the what is like the one attribute of that specific discipline that is crucial to reach you know the highest level of the sport that might be different from playing basketball or you know any other given discipline um i think there's an element of fear that you just can't have if you want to be highly successful at ski racing um you know you have to be willing to crash and crash hard and get back up and keep doing it. You know, it's not like basketball where, you know, okay, you're running into some guy, you get an elbow to the face. That's not the same yeah. as, you know, crashing at 85 miles an hour. Um, and I I just think that it's, uh, it's, again, it's something that you either have or you don't. And I think um, I've always been the person that's, really crazy. And I, I've never had that fear. And, and, uh, even since I was, you know, nine years old, I was skiing downhill and everyone thought I was nuts, but right. You were like, me, it was like fun. a kamikaze from yeah. like day one. Just crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think it is true. Like you either have that or you don't, but if you have it, you can still lose it. And as somebody who's oh, you know, suffered these crazy injuries and horrible crashes, a normal person would, would, would probably have even if it's just the slightest bit of hesitation, right? That's the difference between podium and, you know, 50th place yeah, in, in a sport where, you know, yeah. it's it's measured in, you know- Hundreds of a yeah, second. Yeah, hundreds of a second. Yeah. So even that that like almost instinctual, impulsive, like, you know, reaction that makes you hold back just a little bit because your, your leg bent the wrong way the last time you made that move, you know? How do you override that and and still get into that zone where that is not um, 
a factor in how you're making those tiny little decisions? Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think most people that have been injured, I'd say they do have that hesitation and it takes a while to get over it. Um, I, for some reason, don't have that, which is maybe mm -hmm. why I crash so often. Um, but I just... Right, like she never learns. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, uh, what's wrong with me? Um, I just don't, I don't know, I don't see the point in being afraid because if you're afraid and you have that hesitation, then you're not going to win races anyways. Mm -hmm. So I try to look at it from like a logical perspective, but... I mean, it's not logical though. It's completely a function of your unconscious mind. I think. I think it's weird. Yeah, it's awkward to even ask these questions because I, I, you're. Some, this is just who you are, right? Like, and you're being asked to explain it. Like, yeah, it doesn't. It's, it's like, but it's like that's actually a question I get asked a lot, yeah. and it, it's always a difficult one for me to answer because I don't really know why I am the way I am. Um, right. But that is what I am. This is so. you, you've never, you've always been this. You don't know what it's like <laughs> to be anybody I've always had a couple of screws loose, so. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, because I, when I think about downhill ski racing, which is a discipline so different than than anything that, you know, I ski, but um, that, you know, that I specialize in, it's, you're moving so quickly and you're making these decisions that are so tiny, but you have to be forecasting down the mountain and making decisions that are impacting what you're gonna do three seconds later when you get down there. Like mm -hmm. the level of like, it's all happening Spatial so quickly and, they're, and, they're, and every little thing is so tiny, right? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to car racing, but you're not, right. you don't have the protection of a car. Uh -huh. You know, I think it's also too, um, once you're adapted to going that fast, things tend to slow down you know, you're able to see things more clearly because that seems to be a normal speed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, uh, and I think there's a lot with me that's very instinctual. Um, you know, my reactions are as planned as possible, but at the same time, it, when you're going that fast, you are relying on your instincts. And yeah. thankfully, I think for the most part, I have pretty good ones, but you know, when I'm trying to win, uh, Sometimes I make the wrong ones and right. and then I crash. Well, you know, you, if you're going for it, you know, it's going to yeah. happen, right? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I'd, I'd rather, you know, uh, I'd rather go down trying to win than, you mm -hmm. know, get safely to the finish line in last place. You know, I'd, I just want to push myself and see what I'm capable of. Yeah. So how many races are you doing this season, like you got to get, you're at 82, you want to get to 86. That's, you need four more wins. How many chances at that? I think have? I have, um, it's got to be 20 something. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Downhill and Super G races. There's, um, or maybe 18, so, something like that. There's like nine or 10 of each discipline. Um, last year I got five wins, which was a not, a, I mean, it was pretty good, but it wasn't like a crazy good year for mm -hmm. me. So, um, but I think, you know, the more I just focus on enjoying my last season and just kind of going out with a bang and not really focusing on that record, I think the better off I'll be. Yeah. So you're, you're trying not to think too much about yeah. that. Overthinking is a really bad yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean, how do you kind of mentally prepare and visualize, um, 
a race? Like when you're in the gate, like, are you at a blank? Do you do formal practices where you visualize every aspect of going down that mountain so that when you show up, it's just your, your kind of like just presence or how does that work for you? Yeah. So we have in downhill, we usually have one or two training runs where we get to run the course and, um, normally I'll have a pretty good idea of, you know, what I want to do. Um, I'll know the line, I'll be able to visualize it, you know, at least a hundred times, uh, leading up to the race. And when I get in the starting gate, then I don't really have to think about it because it's already ingrained in my mind. And a lot of the times with these tracks too, is that it's the same course that it's been for the last 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years. Right. So You've been doing this your whole life. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times I probably don't even need to look at the course to know exactly what I need to do. Um, but you know, like I said, it's, it's having that plan and being confident in what you're doing. But then at the end of the day, when you're in the course, you have to have those instincts to be able to react because you could hit, you know, a patch of icy snow or, you know, the lights flat and you can't see a bump and, you know, you go offline and, and then, you know, you're scrambling and you have to make those instantaneous decisions that will determine whether you win or lose the race. Yeah. How important are, uh, our mentors to you? I mean, your dad, your grandfather were obviously instrumental in you becoming a skier in the first place. And then you meet Peekaboo and that was a big moment for you. But where you're at right now, do you still have people in your life that you look to for guidance in different areas? Like how does that work and how do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I think that, you know, from an athletic perspective, you know, there's obviously the people like Roger Federer and Serena and, um, you know, I still look to people, people like Peekaboo, you know, as, as my idol. But, um, I think more so it's like my friends and my family that keep me grounded. That's Mm -hmm. most important to me. At this point, I know, you know, I know how to ski. I, I know that part of my life, but a lot of the time I just need people to be real with me yeah. and kind of keep me grounded. And and that's how I'm able to stay the same person, you know, I and I'm, I'm happy with who I am. I don't want to change who I am. Yeah. And so it's really important for me to be around those stable um, people that really can support me the way I need it. It would be so easy for you to surround yourself with a ton of people that just tell you how awesome you are all the time. <laughs> Yeah, that's never a good you know, Yeah. Especially in this town. Yeah, this you town. You know, and especially. then, you know, fast forward one year from now. I always now, say this like town is really good decisions. unless you have the be- wrong friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a big city. I mean, LA is a very easy target to make fun of, and there's certainly lots of things wrong with it, but there's all kinds of people here. And yeah. there's amazing people doing incredible things that are influencing culture. And I, agree. I think it's a really cool place to live. I think it just takes a little bit longer to find your tribe here yeah, than it would somewhere else. Yeah, You I know agree. what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, um, I mean, that kind of naturally leads us into this, you know, conversation about you as, as a role model. I mean, clearly you're a role model to a lot of people, um, a lot of young women. Does that influence how you make decisions? Like how do you kind of shoulder that sense of responsibility? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've kind of always felt that level of responsibility um, because I remember when I was looking up to Peekaboo and how much of an impact she had on me. And so when now the roles are reversed, I definitely have always felt that, you know, I need to conduct myself in a certain way that, um, 
you know, not only my family would approve of, but uh-huh. you know, the the young girls and, and kids that look up to me would approve of as well. So um, I started my foundation as well in 2015 and and our mission is to empower and inspire young girls. Um, I've got camps and scholarships and programs and and you know, that's something that's really important to me. Um, you know, being able to do something positive with the position that I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm, I don't want to be just a ski racer, you know, I want to have a positive impact on the world and, um, you know, help these kids accomplish their dreams and help them, you know, try to be healthy and happy and positive, productive humans. Yeah, that's cool. So it's scholarships for young women to, for athletes only or no, all no, different kinds of girls? Sports. Yeah. I mean, I, there are some scholarships we give, give out to athletes, but it's mostly educational based programs uh-huh. like STEM, also, oh, right. like the STEM programs. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, there's a couple of random things like a girl wanted to be a race car driver and she couldn't get in because she's a girl and, you know, she needed extra help. There's, there's, you know, a couple of really interesting stories in there, but, um, yeah, it's a very diverse group and I never want to close the door to, yeah. you know, anyone. So if I can help, I will. Yeah, it's cool. Well, it's such an amazing moment right now for women and female empowerment. And, you know, something I say on the podcast all the time is that um, there's no shortage of amazing women doing incredible things. There's role models everywhere. We just don't do a very good job of shining a spotlight on them as well as we could and should. But I feel like recent events over the course of the past year have really shifted the ballast of that. And now we're um, we're seeing um, so much more attention and respect um, for incredible women who are, you know, putting their stamp on on culture in, in positive ways, which is really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think, you know, on that on that subject of responsibility, I mean, it's got to be difficult for you with the name that you have and the profile that you have, like navigating the treacherous waters of social media and like all the, you know, nonsense that goes on there. I mean, there's been, you know, well-documented dramas that you you had to weather through all of that. Like, how do you, do you just compartmentalize that or do you like not read mentions or how do you like deal with the noise so that you can stay focused on what it is that you're trying to accomplish and like stay positive? It's hard. With all I, that nonsense out there. It's really hard. I think when I'm skiing, you know, in season, it's a little bit easier because I have that outlet of skiing and um, I don't really think twice about what people say. Uh-huh. Um, it's mostly in the summer that I have a harder time with it. You have more time on your hands and, right. you know, I'm on the bike for a few hours and I'm, let's you know, see what let's these people see, what, yeah, let's see what's happening. <laughs> Never a good idea. Such a bad idea. Yeah. Um, and you know, before the Olympics, it was, uh, you know, I, it was. There's a lot of death threats, and it was just like pretty crazy. But you know, I try to remember. I try to think about like you know who these people are, and and that they're not important people in my life, and they don't care about me. So why should I care about them? Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's a hard thing to keep in perspective because it does tear you down. You know it. It it is a hard hard and harsh world to live in um, these days. So I just do the best I can. Some days it affects me more than others, but yeah. I try really hard not to read things. It's so insane that you had to that you received death threats. I mean, oh, yeah. it's so it crazy. Was bad. 
I hope you ski up a cliff and die. I hope you are in a wheelchair the rest of your life. It's just keyboard warriors. Yeah. yeah. You know Every I time mean? I fell, they're like, there you go. That's karma. Like, you're a terrible person. It's so, the crazy world that we live but in. My family loves me. It's all yeah. really matters. <laughs> it is true, though. I mean, it is you true. Know? It is true. So what is Tell me, walk me through your training routine now, because you're a beast. <laughs> Were you at Gold's this morning? I was at Gold's this morning. I saw that Instagram post. Yeah. Um, I, had, I hate having to beat traffic. I have to wake up so early. Um, usually I go work out at the Red Bull gym. But um, yeah, normally in the mornings it's like, uh, you know, I've got my, my warm up, my mobility, my knee warm up. And then I do um, core, lifting, balance. And then the afternoon is biking. Mm -hmm. So two a day is like peloton. five days a week or something like that. Um, oh, you got the Peloton? Yeah. Nice. I don't actually use the classes most of the time though, mm -hmm. which is kind of counterintuitive. But, well, they have those uh, ones where you can ride like in, through the city. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like cool. I like, I rode the Hawaii one and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I've never been here, but uh -huh. this looks really nice. Um, yeah. I just, you know, my, my trainer has a program and, you know, like I said, it's difficult because I can't do a lot of things that I used to do and that I actually really need to do. Mm -hmm. um, but we modify things to accommodate for my limitations yeah. with my knee. But like core strength, explosive power type exercises, yeah, free weights, yeah. like that's the focus of it, right? A lot of core, um, you know, rotational stability, um, a lot of glute work, um, you know, cleans, power cleans. Uh, a lot of squats, deadlifts, yeah, like kind of the basic, you know, core right. power exercises. But and then once you get to the mountain, then it just does it just become a combination of skiing plus all of that? Yeah, it's like a more toned down version of my workouts because most of my energy is going to my skiing. Um, but it's hard on the road when you're traveling and racing because you don't always have the energy to mm -hmm. be able to do the lifting sessions, but you really need to do the lifting sessions. Like I have a problem during the season, I tend to get really skinny because I just can't maintain that same level of weightlifting mm -hmm. and muscle mass. Well, you're just constantly traveling from one venue to the next, right? And also stressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The very romantic. Stress like, has a good yeah. way of making Paint you Paint me the weight. picture of what that's actually like. There's probably a lot of people who think you're just, you're cruising around in a private jet everywhere oh, all yeah, the time, no, but it's not. like, no. it's hard. It's a, no. it's a, I drive. I mean, yeah. in, in Europe, you know, you drive, you, you race, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, you get in the car, you pack up Sunday night, uh -huh. you drive six hours. Is there you. like a bus or do you dr drive? Yourself, how does that work? Because you're a team, but you're not really. A yeah, team. we're not really. We, yeah, we're we're not. Um, we almost all of us have our own cars. So uh -huh. We have Toyotas, and then we just. I'm like, I've got so much crap that I just fill mine to the top, and then Lucy's my passenger. So she goes to Europe with you. Oh yeah, yeah. She goes everywhere with me. <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, it's difficult, you know, when when you're you know always by yourself. You know, you're in the car by yourself, and then you get to the hotel. You always mm -hmm. come home to an empty hotel room. It's pretty depressing. Um, so I got Lucy to help me with that. It's always nice to just have a friendly face. Doesn't yeah. matter if I crash or if I won. She's always happy to see me. And right. 
I wish I could travel with my two big dogs, but you know, they're really big. So where do they, do they live here in LA or in Vail? They live in Colorado with yeah, my so brother. You have some, oh, okay. Yeah. He takes right. care of them when I'm not around. Uh-huh. Yeah. You got a whole, you got a bunch of brothers and sisters, right? I, yeah. I have four, two brothers uh-huh. and two sisters. The lower three are triplets. Oh, the youngest three. Wow. Yeah. So you, you grew up in Minnesota mm-hmm. and then the whole family moved to Vail yeah. to support you, yeah. right? That's yeah. a lot of pressure on a little kid. It was a lot. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm really thankful and lucky that I have such good siblings, you know, none of them have resented me or, you know, have held it over me that we moved out there. I mean, they all lost their friends, you know, we How kinda, old were they? Um, I was like 12, 13. So the triplets were six, seven. Oh, well, they're so young. I mean. And Karin was, Karin was 10, 11. Mm. Um, but they didn't really mesh in well with the kids there. Oh, really? So it was a pretty tra- tough transition for Did them. Did you feel and, like you had to succeed yes. to legitimize that <laughs> yes. for the family? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it was I mean, a weird. Was, it was a weird thing. Like, like you didn't realize you were moving until you'd no, actually already reala- moved or yes. something. And your parents yeah, were like, was, "Okay, we're here." Yeah, they they said we're going on vacation, and then we got there, and it was like, surprise, we're never going home. Uh huh. And your grandfather was a ski jumper, right? Yeah, and ski then your, jumper. your dad was a skier. Yeah, my dad was a racer. Um, my dad was also, he, he also played football. My grandfather played offense and defense football. He was a boxer. He ran track and field. He was like, wow. yeah, definitely uh, have good genetics in that sense. But I can't say I'm like really as athletic as they are. <laughs> I'm, I have a really good feel for the snow, but I'm not, you know, I can't play basketball. I can't run. Like I am, you know, any ball sports and I am, have no chance. Yeah, but would you rather be pretty good at a whole bunch of sports? No, I'd, be, like, I'd rather, yeah, I'd much rather right? have what I have. I'm are just like, I'm stating it. My siblings are, so my sister just ran in the in Chicago Marathon mm, uh, yesterday. Cool. Really proud of her. First killed out ever to run more than like two miles at one time. Uh-huh. <laughs> So it's like a- You're like Norwegian though, right? Yeah, but we don't You'd be run. like cross-country like, skiers. No, no, we are like, you know, we're not racehorses. We are Clydesdales. We are built for slow and steady labor. You know, we're Says not- Says the w- woman who skis down the mountain at like 85 miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like a sturdy, strong, like train just barreling down the mountain, you know? It's like, we're not built for, you know, I am not built endurance. like you. I am not built for for endurance. Yeah, but I mean, I can't do <laughs> anything like you do it. So it's it all- it, It's all it's all relative, yeah, yeah. but- But your, are, your siblings are there. Well, so your sister ran the marathon. Did everybody ski growing Everyone up? Everyone skied growing up. Yeah. Um, but my, my one brother, Reed, was really the only one that loved ski racing. The rest of them just could care less. My uh-huh. sister, Karn, marathoner, uh, she only won races if we bribed her with hot chocolate at the finish. You know, or like, we got a hot chocolate waiting for you with marshmallows. Yeah. And she'd be like, ooh, yay. That was and the only thing I could get her out <laughs> Yeah, her or like she had to go uh-huh. to the bathroom. It was like, no, you got to hold it in. And then she's like, I really had to go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And it sounds like your dad, I mean, it was pretty intense with your dad. Yeah, I mean, my dad, same like my grandfather is like, you know, they demanded a certain level of uh, dedication and, you know, intensity to uh-huh. whatever it is you're going to do. You have to have pride in what you do and um, do it to the best of your ability. So um, if you didn't live up to your own standard, then mm-hmm. 
you know, it was, it was definitely not an easy household to live in, but I think that it was really good because it made us better people. I can't say at the time that I felt that way necessarily yeah. all the time, but. Yeah, but those are important life lessons yeah. that serve you well later in life. I mean, we all turned out really well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that he did a good job. Yeah. Uh, and now we're, th- that pendulum has swung very far in the other direction where everybody gets a medal and we're all perfect snowflakes <gasps> and all of that. Yeah. I do not agree with that. So, yeah, this is, uh, we'll see what, what the Olympic team in 2032 looks like with that. Everyone gets a gold medal. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> you know. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver an RRP favorite, and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most, mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm interested in um, how it works with uh, with all the crazy um, doping controls that are going on right now. Like I had um, Brian Fogel in here, the director of Icarus. Did you see that movie? Unfortunately, I you did. You did. Yeah. So what is your, what's your reaction to that? Like, it's crazy. I mean, I you know never I had suspicions that you know some people in in my sport you know, may or may not have done something, but it's really scary to see that because it's been happening for clearly a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been, it's a systematic problem. And I don't think that they probably have fixed it even with what they've done to reprimand Russia. Yeah. But it's, it's just scary to think of how, if you really, if you really want to get away with it, you can. 
And I'm sure people want to win badly enough to where, you know, they'll do something. But for me, like, I'm scared to even, I, like, I don't even take, you know, vitamin C. Like, I'm scared to take anything. Like, anything that I do take, like a protein powder, you know, has to be NSF certified. Yeah. And so, like, for me, it's been a really big problem over my career to trust anything that I'm taking. Like, I have to send... Like if I'm taking any sort of supplement, I have to send the whole batch out to get it tested and certified. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty exciting for me now to be able to be at this point in my career where um, kind of in the same direction that like my my book is, you know, Strong is a New Beautiful. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's another part of my legacy that is really important to me, trying to allow people to understand what they're doing so that they can live healthier lives and be happier. I mean. I don't, uh, I never liked working out, but until I accepted it and, and, you know, enjoyed it, now I feel like I need it. You know, it makes me feel better. I'm happier when I work out. And, you know, that's something that I want to share with people and, and help them find that as well and find just their own way to be um, happier. It is so difficult for an athlete of your stature to navigate what's okay to eat and not eat. I mean, every Olympic athlete that I know, like they just stay away from all supplements altogether because yeah. it's just too terrifying. Yeah, it's and scary. You are hearing about athletes that that uh, that test dirty, and it turns out like they had a tainted protein powder or something like that. Like you just can't trust anything. And I know a little bit about how those labs work where a lot of these companies are having their products manufactured and there's so much contamination and there's very little oversight yeah. and there's no regulation. Like you have no idea what's going on there. Oh no, I mean, and most you of think what's you're in, buying there something, in there You can't trust that mm -hmm. what it says on the label is actually what's in there. And if you were to take it to a lab and test it, I can almost guarantee you that it will look very different than what that nutrition yeah. facts label says. Exactly. And yeah, like you said, I mean, as an athlete, it's it's scary to even like I don't even want to touch. I don't even look at it. You know, those those like anything you find in like a you know health food store, none of that stuff is most likely what it says it is. Mm -hmm. You know, and the the percentage of vitamins and supplements that are tainted or you know have products in them or ingredients in them that aren't actually what says on the label right. is like so high. Because they're cross-producing. They're yeah, producing they're a using multitude of lines yeah. in these facilities where all different kinds of products are getting made using the same equipment. Yeah. You know, I've been approached by a lot of different companies, you know, throughout my career. And I I know there's some athletes, maybe not Olympic athletes, but some athletes that have, you know, more lenient restrictions on their, their doping um, rules. You know, they've promoted other companies, but I just have never felt comfortable, you know, saying, putting my name on a product. You know, I don't want to tell the people, tell the public to be taking something that I wouldn't even take, you know, that I can't trust what's in it. And, um, you know, it's, it's about leading a healthy lifestyle. Life is a workout. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't, tr I've never trusted taking anything. What do you think people most misunderstand about you? I mean, there's so much press out there. People have to be getting it wrong all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think it just in general, you know, anyone in the spotlight has, you know, there's this perception that's out there, you know, they're, you know, I think most people 
don't know that I have depression. And, you know, they're like, oh, you're successful and you're pretty and whatever. And it's like, why aren't you happy? And all those things don't equal happiness, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm successful doesn't mean that I'm happy. Um, It's important for me to surround myself with, with, you know, the people that I love that make me happy. And that's, you know, that's something that keeps me grounded and keeps me going. But um, I just, I hate the misconception that like, you know, my life's perfect and and I'm happy and everything's like Instagram. Right. It's all perfect. Yeah. Well, if those people had just crashed one of the times that you crashed. How does the, uh, how does the, the, the depression work? How does that manifest? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've had it, I've, I've been taking medicine for it since I was like 18 or 19. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, definitely is more difficult when I'm injured. Um, I, I just take medicine, you know, the whole every day because I, you know, it's not worth it. It's not like, you know, you're depressed, you're gonna take an Advil, you know, it's like, it's not, you have to be consistent about how you're, you're taking it. And, and I obviously see a therapist and, and that's important. It, It definitely helps me. Um, because it's difficult to talk about, you know, some of the things in my life because I don't feel like many people understand it. And I always feel like I'm complaining, mm-hmm. but you know- You're I, not allowed to complain. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, well, it's, uh, I guess that's my family mentality. To do, to do that, you know, well, because you live this life, too. you know? Yeah. But I, what I'm saying is that that boxes you into like this prison where you feel like you just can't be who you, you can't be yeah. honest about your, your real life experience because, People will judge you for that because you've, you know, been privileged to have experiences that most people will never get to have. Yeah, and that's that's tough, and I and I understand where they're coming from because you know I can see it from that side as well. But I do have my issues, and you know, it's definitely difficult um, sometimes. And very, I'd say the the hardest thing about what I do is just being lonely. You know, I'm I'm on the road a lot and. Uh, in an empty hotel and mm-hmm. in an empty house. And, um, you know, I'm lucky that I have a really great boyfriend and, you know, I have three dogs and I have a great family and people that support me, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I am still alone. And I do feel that really deep loneliness that that really affects me a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's something that I... I'm working on. And all of that, everything kind of rides on your shoulders, the foundation, these relationships with all of these sponsors. I mean, you're alone in a hotel room in some village in in Europe, uh, but there's a whole machine that's kind of depending upon you to continually produce, produce, produce. Yeah, that's a hard part is like, I just realized that when Lucy got run over by a car, it was like, you know, I have all these things that I have to do and, and, if I can't do them, I don't know what happens. Like the, you know, the whole system implodes and, you know, I had to take a week off to, you know, take her to surgery and I had to cancel all these things. And, um, it was just kind of an interesting realization that, you know, I can't stop. And I'm, I'm used to grinding. So it's, you know, it's, I mean, you don't stop anyway, but still, still, it was like, well, you know, there are a lot of things in motion that, you know, I have to keep in motion and I can't just stop doing them. Yeah, A lot of people rely on me and uh, there is a, a lot of feeling that I can't let anyone down, you know? Yeah. And 
Well, those are external pressures. I mean, yes. what does it look like on the inside? Like, what what is it? You know, behind all of this, that's like driving you. Like, is it? I mean, and you can say, oh, you know, I just I I want to be the best version of myself, or you know, I like to win, or whatever. But like, what's beneath that? Like, what is really like the pilot light that is like igniting this whole thing that keeps you like on this? constant grind forward to like excel? Um, I think it has to do with me not being, not ever being satisfied. I feel like I can do better. And it's also, I think, a feeling of not being good enough. You know, somehow, you know, one win isn't enough. I need to win two. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'm never complacent. You know, I'm never satisfied with what I have. You know, I just have the, always have that urge to keep going. You know, I want something more, do something that someone's never done before, you know, try something new, you know, start my own company, you know, work with people that no one else has worked with. It's like, you know, I just have this drive that makes me want to just do be better. And mm-hmm. it's not, it probably is for mixed reasons, you know, like, from my, from, you know, family growing up and, yeah. you know, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of psychological yeah, yeah, yeah. things that go into that. Well, but, there, yeah, there's right, dad and grandpa yeah. and there's but, insecurities and all of that, these things that we all share as human beings. I mean, yeah. you know, of course, that if you're somebody who, who you know, one, you know, this many wins is never enough. Yeah. You know, when you get that 86 or 87 or 88, it's still not going to be well, enough, that's why right? So that, how do you that's find why, peace, right? You, that's why ultimately, I said- Ultimately, you got to like, that's an inside job yeah, for exactly. you, Yeah, exactly. That's right? definitely an inside job. And and it's something that I've had to kind of realize and, and work through. And that's why I've just said, it doesn't matter what the season holds, whether I win or I don't win, or I break the record or I don't. This is just it. You know, I need to kind of- you know, really enjoy it and soak it all in for the last time. And then I need to, you know, just literally move forward and yeah. start something new. That's and when you call the rock. That's when like, I call Dwayne and I'm like, Dwayne, what do I do now? Where <laughs> is my next call. job? <laughs> I've got this script sitting right here, Lindsay. Come on over. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, we got to wrap this up. I, I want to be conscious of your time. Um, Thanks. I got one more workout today. So Do you? What I are do. you doing? I got to go home and ride the bike. Do you? Yeah. The Peloton? The Peloton, yeah. Do you take my girl Robin Arzon's class? I don't take any classes. You should, though. I'm Robin's going to. The coo- Robin's the coolest. I'm definitely going take to when I don't actually have to follow my stupid program. Uh-huh. But, but now, now I'm just gonna, I'm just riding just through Hawaii. Hawaii. I'm just yeah. like Hawaii. Like this is fun. <laughs> I've on got the one right over there. You could use it if you want. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, delightful <laughs> to talk to you. I wish thanks you well. When do you leave for Europe? Um, I we have a couple of races here in well in Canada first, mm. and then I'll go over like the third or fourth of December. And then you're there for how long? I'll come home for Christmas, thankfully. We have a nice little break. And then I'm gone for like January, February, March. Uh-huh. And then that's it. That's a wrap. And then it's done yeah. Then it's party time. Cool. 
Lindsay, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. How do you feel? I feel great. How do you feel? I feel like that was a therapy session and I I don't need therapy this week. Thank you. Good. Well, I serve that role for you. I'm I'm here anytime for you. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. You're easy to find on the internet. Just at Lindsay Vaughn everywhere. (laughs) People are not already following you. They should. And uh, come back and talk to me again sometime. I will. Cool. Sounds good. Pleasure. Appreciate it. Peace. Cool, right? I mean, that was amazing. How often do you get to sit down with a four-time Olympian, somebody who is the very best ever in their sport? Super dope. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Do me a favor, hit Lindsay up online and let her know how you felt about the conversation. She is at Lindsay Vaughn with two N's on both Twitter and Instagram. And as always, check out the show notes on the episode page at richroll.com to expand your experience of this conversation beyond the earbuds. And for those of you who just enjoyed the audio version of this, you can also watch our whole conversation on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash rich roll. If you are looking for additional nutritional guidance, you're trying to get healthy for the new year, check out our plant power meal planner at meals.richroll.com. Thousands of plant-based recipes totally customized based on your personal preferences that interfaces seamlessly with unlimited grocery lists and even grocery delivery in most metropolitan areas. We have amazing customer support, seven days a week, experts who will answer every single question you possibly can have about what to eat, when, how, and all the whys and all of that. It's available to you for just $1.90 a week when you sign up for a year. So, hey, super affordable for more and to sign up, go to meals.richroll.com or click on meal planner on the top menu on my website. And if you would like to support our work here on the podcast, there are a couple simple ways to do that. Just tell your friends about the show or your favorite episode, share it on social media, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube, on Google Podcasts, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And finally, you can support the show on Patreon at richroll.com forward slash donate. I want to thank everybody who helped put on the show today. Jason Camiello for audio engineering production, show notes, and interstitial music. Blake Curtis and Margot Lubin for all their video wizardry and graphics genius. David Kahn for all his help with sponsor relationships and theme music, as always, by Analemma. Thanks for the love, you guys. See you back here soon with another amazing episode. Until then, may you find strength and courage in your daily experience and then share that with your community and loved ones. Peace. Namaste.